Jeffrey Dahmer soaked in blood The Unabomber blowing up Waco, Texas and Heaven's Gates Alien modified men from apes Hitler faked his death and then escaped Bigfoot and the Mothman Son of Sam talking to dogs again Witches, ghosts and goblins Mysterious noise and hot dings Dark arts and the skull and bones Most celebrities are probably cloned So when you're feeling all alone Grab a beer and get stoned I welcome you to the podcast Strange Brew We're here to entertain you Famous. 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 Dead. 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 You're dead. I say you died. He's dead, Tom, and nothing can bring him back. Welcome to the show. What's going on, everybody out there? Uh, we have a new guest on the Strange Brew podcast. We got Anton. Uh, H, uh, <laughs> I guess I could say AKA HP Shovedcraft. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. This is a dude that was a fan of the show that we, me and him start connecting and talking more. And we realize we're into the same stuff, culty stuff, weird, strange things. So introduce yourself a little bit there, buddy. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Uh, I'm Anton, AKA Reverend Dr. Kaiju Diggit, AKA <laughs> HP Shovecraft. Uh, yeah. sometimes streaming occasional podcast guest, uh, a lifelong fan of everything weird, odd, strange, and you know all the fun shit in the dark crevices of, of the universe and mysteries and stuff. Fuck yeah. So, and I got a steam whistle going. I'm just going to have one because I have to fucking go to Billy's after this. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, even I'm getting somebody for drinks later. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, so not drinking too heavy. Just had a seltzer no. and uh, smoking a little weed. Yes, there you go. We always have a little butt, and I got I to gotta not do that before I drive because I'll be fucked later. <laughs> Especially because in Canada, when me and Anton are recording, it's the day after Canada Day, so the cops, and it's a Friday, so the cops will be out trying to ding people. And they, they always at the end of the month, there's always more and more cops coming out. A guy at my work, literally someone that we deliver parts to and stuff, he pulled up and uh, the cop pulled him, uh, pulled up behind him and dinged him for a seatbelt. Oh, like, in a work they, truck? Yeah, in a work truck. Just because they, oh, uh, it's the end of the month, that was like the 30th or whatever, they just try to meet their quotas and shit, right? Yep. Same down here in the States as well. It's fucking crazy. So, because Billy and Alex are too fucking young, and I want to di- get back into doing Famous Dead series once in a while. So, we're going to talk about John Belushi, someone that you said you've watched on SNL and seen a couple of his movies, even though there's not that many out there, but he was a big character in life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I uh, I grew up, one of the first R-rated movies I was allowed to watch was The Blues Brothers. Uh, the other yeah. being The Jerk with Steve Martin, both of two, you know, both of which are huge favorites of mine. Um, yeah, I absolutely love the fucking jerk. That movie is so funny. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he shoots the paint cans. He's like, these paint cans are defective. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to spring a leak. Yeah, so we're going to let's let's get into John Belushi and his life. So John Adam Belushi uh, was American actor, com- American actor, comedian, and a singer, and one of the seven original cast members of the NBC sketch comedy Saturday Night Live. So, and like that's you know, my parents would watch Saturday Night Live, and I would kind of sneak downstairs and try to watch it and stuff when I was a kid, because especially that sometimes they're like, "Oh, this isn't appropriate." But my dad was really into comedy and all this stuff, so I kind of wanted 
to I keep like trying to creep down and watch it or I'd sneak and watch it. But my dad used to watch it all the time. So that's what made me. And I knew John Belushi is from, you know, my dad being like, oh, you got to watch Porky's and Animal House and all those like 80s movies. Yeah, (laughs) that that definitely wouldn't fly today. That's for sure. Not by a long shot. No, not (laughs) with uh, PC culture being what it is. No way. It's fucking crazy. So throughout his career, Belushi had a close personal and artistic uh, partnership with Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd is a character, that's for sure. Aykroyd is awesome. Um, I I guess Aykroyd currently, if you meet him and you don't buy Crystal Skull Vodka, uh, gets a little attitude-y about it. But um, yeah, his his story about how the Men in Black came and stole his, uh, his alien footage and Yeah, Aykroyd is great. Um, Yeah, I would eventually like to dive into him eventually, maybe for the famous dead, whatever he dies. But he might be (laughs) kicking it for a while. But um, no, I like I like his uh, Crystal Skull Vodka. It's slightly expensive, but I have bought it a couple times, and I had the I have the bottle somewhere. I just put like red food dye in it. I wanted. Yeah, I just made tincture, and uh, I I put it in the Crystal Skull. So now it's a green Crystal Skull full of uh, weed liquor. That I'm gonna That's hilarious. Else. <laughs> That's sick. I would love to do that. Make some weed liquor. Yeah, and uh, it's just funny because I wanted to keep it because even my my girlfriend's like, "Where are we gonna put your grandparents?" Because I have their ashes. <laughs> it's like I was like, I don't know. I want to get like a cool little skull bottle. I was like, maybe just get. I'll get the mini one that they have, and I'll just put them yeah. in there. <laughs> like one of those old sand arts that you'd bring your parents home from school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because they're uh they're we're moving and stuff, so we're like, where are we gonna fucking put them? We're, there's like in the kitchen right now at the new place. <laughs> oh my god! So hopefully I can get rid of them or scatter their fucking body somewhere. I'll just uh, uh I told I was like, oh, I'm gonna snort a line of their ashes like I'm uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Oh my or, god! <laughs> or is that Keith Richards? Oh, I think Ozzy I think Osbourne convinced. Keith- yeah, because I think he convinced him. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully it doesn't have the South Park effect and you don't get become possessed by your grandparents. Oh, yeah. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> That's true. So in his personal life, Belushi struggled with heavy drug use and it threatened his career, his comedy career. And in 1982, Belushi died from a drug overdose. He was honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2004. And he like he met Dan Aykroyd at Second City, which is a comedy club where they do like improv and stuff, right? And for all the people yeah. that don't know, and that's where we Andy got started, uh, where yep. Eugene Levy got started, Catherine O'Hare, all of them. Well, and that's why we, you know, that's where Strange Brew comes from is SCTV, yep. which was, yeah, which is a can- whole Canadian series of like doing a show using almost the Second City name, and it and you know we got had people like um, Catherine O'Hara and. Um, What's his name? It's going to bug me. Wow, uh, dude. Yeah, the short, nerdy-looking fuck. And that's going to uh, bug the shit. Oh, man. Martin Short. Yeah, Martin Short. Yeah, he, yeah, that character he played with his hair all stuck up, and he was like the nerdy guy that like the professor in the laboratory. Ed, Ed Grimley, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Martin yeah. Short is fucking hilarious, man. He doesn't Hell get yeah, enough man. big ups, man. So... John Adam Belushi was born to Agnes Dimitri Belushi and Adam Antosia, but they were like his father uh, was an Albanian immigrant. So that's oh, okay. what, yeah, so that's why Belushi, but I always felt like that was kind of like a Polish name, but I guess not. 
<laughs> the she on the end of it, yeah. Yeah, I know. So they were born in like a neighborhood on the west side of Chicago. Belushi's mother, Agnes, a pharmacy worker, was born in Ohio to an Albanian immigrant. His father, Adam Belushi, was the Albanian immigrant who owned the uh, Fair Oaks restaurant on North Avenue in Chicago, later restaurant in Wheaton. So his dad was a restaurant owner. So they were doing not bad, obviously. Right. Especially at the time. If it was nowadays, they would be fucked, but... <laughs> Upper middle class business owners, yeah, that's nothing to shake a stick at at any given no. point in time. <laughs> so Belushi was raised in Wheaton, a suburb of West Chicago, along with his three siblings, younger brothers, Billy and Jim, and sister Marina, or Marin. So you would... Uh, so yeah, people would know Jim, uh, Jim Belushi, still kind of acts. He's not as high status. call it that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he still does some movies. Like I was surprised. He was on. Uh, there's a rapper named Watsky. He was in his music video. So I barely okay. see him anymore, though. But he does some shit. <laughs> oh, thank God! According to Jim, isn't a fucking thing anymore. That oh just- yeah, that's true. <laughs> I forgot about that show. <laughs> that show was pretty shitty. Um, so he was an Eastern Orthodox Christian attending the Albanian Orthodox Church and attended Wheaton Central High School, where he met his future wife, Judith Jacqueline. And that's it. She, uh, I watched a documentary last night. I got Animal House on the background. And um, she she still talks about it and stuff like that. And she was they were together for a very long time. She was in his life for like almost his his whole life because they met when they were in high school. Yeah, uh, I actually didn't know the Eastern Orthodox thing. That's that's pretty interesting. That is Isn't that I, weird. I guess, yeah, I guess that would be the the major religion of the area, and it, it's still pretty big out in Russia and starting to gain like a fairly large following uh, here in the U.S. as well. So you're more versed at this stuff when it comes to. Or, I know like there's Orthodox Jews and they have the curly cues and stuff like that and the and the weird yeah. hats. <laughs> what would an, Jews, yeah, yeah. What would an Orthodox Christian be? What is like what does the term for Orthodox actually mean? Um, honestly, I'm not entirely certain as to what the Orthodox means, yeah. um, but I know that it's basically like, so, cause my brother just converted to uh, Orthodox Christianity, which slightly drives me insane. Love him, yeah. that super <laughs> smart dude, but yeah. Um, so it's basically like this church claims that they can trace their lineage all the way back to the apostles. Oh. Uh, and then, so like they view Protestants as heretics, Catholics as heretics, like all of it. They have their own set of rites and rituals. It's like... Without calling it right-hand path magic, it's very similar to right-hand path magic. Um, so, like, you know how you and I are tend to be – our philosophy is a little more on the Gnostic side? Yes. Things yeah. where it's, like, prison planet, evil being type yeah. shit. Uh, <laughs> the inverse of that is what uh, Orthodox Christianity is. It's them basically oh. saying that, you know, the Bible is fact. It is literal. It is to be taken this way, interpreted through that church and that church alone. So like every other thing, it's culty as fuck, but they don't really have any wiggle yeah. room or bouncer play on things. That makes total sense. And like, you know, I've, I've, I've read more of like, you know, I, I was born Christian. Uh, I guess you could say that cause they mom baptized Same. me, but it wasn't my fault. Like I didn't want to fucking be baptized. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so, think it counts um, if you're a baby. I know it's so true. So and then she pretty much left the religious church side of shit when I was like, maybe seven or eight because they started preaching about like hating gays and stuff like that. And I got a gay right. uncle. So I was like, she's like, Oh no, none of this shit. But um, yeah, I've never been a fan of religion at all. Same. 
Other than the, you know, the, the fun hokey fake ones, which are my personal favorite, and like I said, a hobby of mine of collecting yeah. admission to them. Other than watching uh, Blues Brothers when I was young, I think my dad put it on for me when I was like, I don't know, nine or ten. But I didn't see it for so long that I recently watched it. It's got some good tunes in it. It's longer than I yeah. thought. It's like a two-hour fucking movie. Like it's in, you know, it's just funny how like they both look extremely young in that movie. Oh, they're babies. You know what's funny yeah. is that movie. Uh, I guess seriously pissed off the Chicago police department because of how uh, bumbling and inept it made them look. Yeah. But, oh like, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Cause they all show up at the end and shit. Oh, that, that giant pile up of all the cars smashing together and what Yeah, And John, like, John candy is in it. John Candy's like the, the sheriff or something, right? Isn't he? I think Pretty he's sh- like a detective or something. Yeah. Orange whip, yeah. Orange whip, yeah. Um, I, I also would definitely one day I want to dive into John Candy. I fucking absolutely love John Candy. He is up there with you know John Belushi and all all these like and even like I love Chris Farley because that was like more or less like in the nineties and stuff and yeah. And this is where Chris Farley took a lot of inspiration from John Belushi. So, and I was like, for it was always weird that I didn't know that he was actually in a band and that Blues Brothers actually made music for till like recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if it started on Saturday Night Live or if it was just a thing that Belushi and Aykroyd were like kicking around back and forth, you know, like yeah. how actors do and what have you. Uh, I know, you know, Saturday Night Live caused the spinoff and what have you, uh, like Lorne Michaels stuff does all the time. So like Blues Brothers, Wayne's World, all the stuff like that. Yeah, I love um, Wayne's World too. <laughs> same. Great. Uh, yeah, great, we'll, great we'll probably get into that. Um, so in 1965, Belushi formed a band, The Ravens, together with his four fellow high school students. <laughs> These fucking guys' names, man. You got um, you got Dick Belushi, Bells, like Balls Uchi. It's B-L-A-S-U-C-C-I. So oh Balzucci, <laughs> Michael Balzucci, and then Tony Pavilanos and Phil Special. All these dudes have like either super like sounds Italian, Pavilonis, or foreign. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, a bunch of dudes that are probably like they're all their parents were like uh, first wave immigrants. I don't know if you'd call it that, but that's how what I'm going to call it. <laughs> yeah, first gen immigrants. Yeah. Most likely. I mean, that was, you know, huge at that time. It still is. But like, especially yeah. back then, you had a lot of Eastern European ones with uh, the war ending and everything like that's that. That's true. That's true. In that generation. They recorded one single Listen to Me Now, Jolly Green Giant. Belushi played drums and sang vocals, which I always think is cool. I don't know if you've ever heard of the band Atreyu. Um, yeah, I have, yeah. So I always liked that the, the Brandon, the, the vocalist, oh, yeah, then you got Alex, guy that screamed and stuff like that. Now we, mm-hmm. now he sings sort of because he fucked up his voice. That'll happen. <laughs> That'll happen screaming at the top of your lungs. But I always thought it was cool that, that Brandon would play the drums as he was singing, which is a, a pretty, you got to be pretty skilled to be focused on both. Because I, I learned how to play drums when I was younger, and it is a skill where you have to separate your brain and your body parts. It's, it's fucking weird. <laughs> For sure, yeah. I have a lot so, of friends that play the drums. Yeah, and it's uh, I remember my drum teacher like grabbing my leg. He's my buddy's dad, and he's like, move your leg like this and your hand like this. And he's like screaming at me because I couldn't separate my <laughs> leg and my arm and like from trying to go with each other because that's, that's why it's one of the hardest instruments because you got to separate your, your brain pretty much. 
Yeah. So the record was not successful, and the band broke up. When he enrolled into uh, College of DuPage, he attended at the University of Wisconsin, Whitewater, for a year, which inspired the famous Animal House scene of D-Day driving uh, a motorcycle up the stairs. So that'd be funny if he actually did, like, did that in his school. <laughs> I because hope so. it, it said it inspired it, right? So yeah, probably could well, be. Does inspire it mean like they actually did it or they were all just yeah. sitting around getting hammered one night? They're like, dude, what if I drove my fucking bike in here? No, that'd right be funny, stairs. man. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So Belushi acquired the iconic college crew neck um, worn by his character at Animal House and at a print shop when he was visiting his brother, Jim Belushi, who attended Southern Illinois University. So he that's when he started, I guess, repping that crew neck shirt. And then he kind of obviously was like, when they made the movie, he was like, I want, this is what I want to wear. Yeah. Cause he's like wearing like a, a sweatshirt, but then he's got like uh, underneath, he's got like a fucking dress shirt, obviously. Like that's, that's what it looks like. I think so. Yeah. It has a proper collar under it. Uh, yeah, I do believe that role was originally offered to meatloaf, which would have made it a whole nother fucking huh. movie. That is really weird to think about that. Milo's a weird fucking guy too, though. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we'll get into his second city and when it like spawns the National Lampoons and stuff. So Belushi started his own comedy trope in Chicago in the West Compass Trio with Tina Isanja uh, and Steve Bishekas. All these fucking names, man. I can't. Pr- I I can't pronounce names properly. People, you just, just get fucking used to it, especially like weird foreign names. So Those there's like heavy Eastern European names. Too, yes, so a lot, a lot, of, lot of them of consonants. are. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's uh, success caught the interest of Bernard Shallens, the former improvised comedy enterprise, who went to see them perform in 1971 and asked Belushi to join the cast. Cast. So we saw them obviously live. I think because uh, he just it was just Belushi um, and his two buddies. And then they kind of were just doing weird comedy shit on stage. And the guy saw them and was like, you should come out to Second City. Hell yeah. So at Second City, he met and began working with Harold Ramis, Joe Flaherty, and Brian Dowell Murray, which most people I know, Harold Ramis and Joe Flaherty are bigger names in the comedy world when it comes to helping people get up and into the ranks of where they became, right? Harold Ramis was like a a pretty big writer at the time as well for National Lampoon. Um, He's obviously Egon from Ghostbusters. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. A much beloved uh, actor by by many nerds everywhere, myself included, especially. Oh, yeah. Um, Joe Flaherty, actually, it's funny. That was the name that I couldn't remember earlier when we were talking about SCTV. He's the one that plays the vampire in the uh, the Ed Ed Grimley uh, shorts, that that really shitty horror host. He's dead now, right? I think Joe Flaherty's still alive, actually. Because oh. he was in, he was oh, in yeah. Water, uh, not Waterboy, Happy Gilmore. He was the, you will not make this putt, jackass. <laughs> oh, yeah. That yeah. guy's fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he did a lot of weird characters in SCTV, too. But, um, yeah, Harold Ramis, he's dead, though, right? Yes, yeah. Harold Ramis died. Um, he died pretty early. Before that shitty, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't give a fuck. I'm sure your fans aren't fans of that god-awful Ghostbusters movie that came out. Oh, with the females? Um, yeah. <laughs> the females had nothing to do with that. That movie was dog shit. I'm sorry. It was but. terrible. You know who the you know what the best part of that movie was? Was um the guy that plays Thor. <laughs> oh uh oh, Chris Hemsworth. He yeah. was actually the, he was the only f- actual funny part, which is funny. They're trying to make this movie all about like the female comedic aspect of it. And I just found his dumbass character was the funniest part of that movie, which shows how shitty the movie was. <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like Lewis Tully is also a great character and he's kind of the, uh, you know, not not the straight man in comedy terms, but like, I don't know, kind of a supporting character more than anything. Yeah. But I feel like they gave Rick Moranis a ton of fucking great lines in Ghostbusters. So I think the character was a little similar. Oh, I know. Rick Moranis' character is probably my favorite character in Ghostbusters. The demon like rapes him and shit because he's like running and he's like against the window <laughs> and the dog it pretty much yeah, little pooch, Maybe I got a milk bone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and it's just, I'm, it's, I'm mad who, that kid that punched him, but fucking. Oh, Rick, fuck that dude. I know. Rick Moranis is such a great person and like yeah. very sheltered in his own way though when he wanted to step out of hollywood but he's well, like got sick and died and he was yeah. just like well i gotta go raise my kids so i mean you know he's doing the right thing with that and fuck that asshole that punched him i know and he made uh he made he made good money and said fuck it right like he was yeah, yeah why not get out of there and make your money because hollywood is filled with pedophiles so yeah <laughs> So, so uh, in 1972, Belushi was offered a role together with Chevy Chase and Christopher Guest in National Lampoon's uh, Lemmings, uh, a parody of Woodstock, which played off of Broadway in 1972, which I didn't know that him and Chevy, uh, Chevy Chase got it. Like, and that's where it started was uh, this National Lampoon thing that spawned all these fucking stupid movies. Like there's like dorm days and there's it's almost like um, – it's almost like American Pie, where there's just so many of them, and they just got worse and worse as they went. I wouldn't be shocked if American Pie was originally intended to be a National Lampoon, because it does have Eugene Levy in it. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, oh, yeah. in some producer capacity, like, other other patrons, or not patrons, other members of uh, National Lampoon were involved. Because I think yeah. it was a college, like, comedy um, zine when it yes. first started. There were so many of them and there's pretty much perverted films that I used to watch when I was a teenager. You know what I mean? Titty comedies. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what they are. <laughs> so yeah. And uh, I didn't know that, you know, they started off in Broadway and um, we'll probably get into uh, uh, Chevy a, b- a little bit later, but. Um, oh, the, the, that, the massive feud between Belushi and Chevy. Yeah. Um, Belushi hated Chevy Chase because he's a piece of shit. Chevy Chase is a piece of shit. He was a massive coquette and a fucking asshole and not a lot of people liked him. <laughs> yeah. He was insanely popular on SNL, but apparently, like, uh, was just a very egotistical dude. That, yes, like, yeah. Did not get along well with cast members because he just. Uh, the one thing I was reading was saying that he would basically like pick at them the way that like an older brother picks at a younger brother to be like, yeah. I know exactly what to say to piss you off. And yeah, know, that's what I heard too. I read some. I read some huge article about him being a dick. <laughs> I wonder how the hell him and Dan Harmon ever worked together on Community because I heard the same. I know thing Dan Harmon. Oh, yeah, I know. And maybe you got better when you got older, but I heard that even when you got older, you're still kind of a dick, so who knows? So Belushi and Jacqueline moved to New York City. Belushi started working as a writer, director, actor for National Lampoon Radio Hour, a comedy radio show which was created, produced, written by the staff from National Lampoon Magazine because that's how it kind of started was this this comedy magazine and it was like you know you had a bunch of different comedic writers and then it, it's almost like almost like mad uh mad tv but not mad tv uh, mad magazine right you'd have it's yeah. a comedic comic book fucking magazine essentially subversive humor yeah yeah so the the cast members on the show produced by belushi introduced brian doyle um murray bill murray joe flaherty um gilda ragnar uh harold remus christopher guess and richard belzer i don't know who those two fucks are oh dude richard belzer oh man okay so have you ever seen uh svu law and order 
Yeah, a little bit when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's just – I feel like the thing everyone would know him from. Richard yeah. Miller is awesome. You should look into him. He's a super big conspiracy dude. Really? He lives in France. Yeah, he was on Law & Order SVU. He played Detective Munch. Um, he was a stand-up comedian in – I want to say 60s, 70s, like 70s, early yeah. 80s, like that, whatever. But, uh, dude, no, Belzer's awesome. And then who was the other one right before that you said? Christopher Guest. Christopher yes. Guest is uh, – did you ever see Spinal Tap? Yeah, when I was like 14. <laughs> uh, Nigel Tufnell, the guitarist with the green oh, uh, yeah. shirt. He's also in all of those, A Mighty Wind, Best in Show. Um, he Waiting for Guffman, he directed all of those. Like, oh, fuck, you know your fantastic. shit, yeah. And yeah. G- Gilda <laughs> Ragnar sound, uh, sounds so familiar. That's uh, uh, oh fuck, Gene Wilder's late wife. Um, at oh point yeah, here where I live, there's a Gilda's kids, yeah, Gilda club or whatever, because she started a cancer club after she had died for like. Oh, that's a fun people. thing. Yeah, a, can- a cancer club. I mean, it's like a, a yeah, that's the wrong <laughs> word. Um, like a service type thing, to like help get uh, people treatment that are like lower. Uh, like yeah. Well, meanwhile, they have a cure. We spend fucking billions of dollars on the shit. Oh fuck. So yeah. Then um, what's they during a trip to good old Toronto, Toronto, uh, wow. to check in Toronto to check out a local Second City cast in 1974. He met Dan Aykroyd. Um, and Jacqueline became an associate producer for the show, and she and Belushi were married on December 31st, 1967. The National Lampoon Show toured the country in 1974, and it was produced by Ivan Rittman. Uh, Lampoon owner Maddie Simmons was offered a TV show on NBC at the time, but he passed. So I think that that's when – this is just before they did the Canadian SCTV because mm-hmm. – the SCTV show for the people that have never seen it and stuff like that, it was purely a Canadian cast. John Candy was Canadian. Yep. Uh, Levy was Canadian. Ev- everyone. Paul Thomas was Canadian. There, it was just pretty much, and that's it's weird how he passed it because they probably, if they did it earlier, they probably would have had an American version and a Canadian version. Which did you guys, I guess, because you're close enough to the border, did you get SCTV on your television? As a kid, yes, we did. We also got. I mean, I got CBC and all that shit because I'm I'm right there. We're a border town. Um, but yeah. I also own. Uh, one of my family members owned the box set of SCTV, so I got to. Oh, that's awesome! That later in my late teens as well. Yeah, that's. I know. I was looking at getting the box set because I think it'd be hilarious. Like I used to see it on TV all the time, but I'm sure I could get it cheap off of eBay or Amazon or some shit. Yeah, search the the used. I have really <laughs> good luck with getting physical media on the used section of Amazon. It's usually yeah. in really good shape. Uh, and it's not region coded usually, so. Because I think it'd be hilarious. I would, uh, I would love to do fucking mushrooms and watch that CTV. <laughs> it would probably be trippy as fuck, just because how oh old it is and shit too, right? Like just the older filming style and stuff like that. And I'm sure they don't have it in 4K or HD. It's probably like just barely HD. <laughs> oh, it still has that 70s glare anytime yeah. there's a stage light, and it just yeah. blocks out the entire screen. Yeah. It's fucking yeah, and um, there's you know it was it was SCTV was stupid, but it was funny. There's it's the same shit as like Saturday Night Live, right? So yeah, I, mean, I feel like all sketch comedy shows are meant to be stupid. If they're ultra intelligent sketch comedy shows, they just come across as pretentious and nobody likes them. Oh, that's true. Yeah, like Mad TV was fucking hilarious back in the I day. Love I <laughs> love, so I just bad. love Bobby Lee, and I love um, um, what's his name, uh, Key and Peel. Those dudes like were like top notch on that fucking show. One hundred percent. Dude, so I let's like get into Saturday. Sasso. Oh yeah, Will Sasso is great too, man. I love. I did. Was stu- I rewatched um uh, the the new uh, Three Stooges movie. It's stupid Actually, as really fuck, funny. but it's funny. It's, 
it's dumb as shit for sure, but it's it gets a lot of laughs. And the one kid that plays um not Mo Mo Curly Larry. Larry. Oh no, the guy the kid that does play Mo. The that kid that he's been on like other movies, that kid's fucking hilarious. Which the kid that plays Mo when he has the weird haircut, he does like the perfect fucking voice for Mo and looks just like him. He was on, you know how they do you ever watch the movie Vacation? They recently yes, like of yeah, that little kid that like wants to get laid in the movie. Like the, the new one, the, the new one, yeah. Okay. With uh, what's his name that plays uh, the dad, um, the guy that gets the tattoo on his face and Hangover, the Mike Tyson yeah. tattoo. <laughs> yeah, oh that kid's God. that kid's great. That kid's great. He was um, such a dumb movie. My grandpa, I grew up on Three Stooges and stuff like that, so it, it it was dumb but entertaining. <laughs> so let's get the Saturday Night Live. Oh, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say Three Stooges has like it. Uh, inspired a lot of stuff in horror as well like uh for example like sam raimi and bruce campbell and everybody were huge stooge fans yes so like uh when they would do their the, the back of their head fill-ins they would call it shemping because when shemp died on the stooges they just kind of had somebody stand in and shot the back of his head to fill in the gaps yeah that's crazy and uh yeah because shemp died and then they had that new guy come in well, I want to no remembers his name. I can never remember his name. I'm like, I was so into this, but I would like to do a whole episode. Maybe I'll get you on that one and talk about the three Stooges Cause they're all fucking dead. So that could be part of the famous yeah. dead series. But like, I want to dive into the history behind them. Cause I've watched docs when I was younger, but it's been so long. I'm almost 30. My brain's starting to fucking go. <laughs> it happens. So Saturday Night Live. In 1975, Chase and writer Malcolm McDonough, recommended Belushi to Lauren Michaels as a potential member for the television show Michaels was producing called NBC's Saturday Night. Later, Saturday Night Live turns into SNL, which everybody knows today. Which, I love the older cast of SNL, like, you know, uh, even Chase and, you know, Belushi and all these people, but even, like, Farley and uh, Mike Myers, and then it just got progressively fucking worse. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's a period in between like the, the golden era, which is like the Chase, Aykroyd, Belushi era. Yeah. And then you have the 80s, which your two main leads were uh, Eddie Murphy and uh, was it fucking Joe Piscopo? Yeah. I say? The dude that was yeah. in Dead Heat. Yeah. And then uh, and then the mid 90s roll around and you have Spade, Sandler, Farley. Yes. The fucking Tim Meadows. Hilarious. Like, Tim Meadows and it was, is funny as fuck, too. Uh, I guess Keenan Thompson just surpassed Tim Meadows as longest running uh, cast member of SNL currently, which means oh, that he's what? managed to not piss off Lauren Michaels for a very long time. That's interesting. And he's an interesting ca- uh, character, too. Keenan, uh, yeah. Yeah, because he, he, you know, and, and same with. Um, yeah, uh, Peel and stuff like that. Jordan Peel because he's now a horror director and mm-hmm. and did I want? I can't. I'm excited for Candyman. What's the first one he put out? Uh, with get the out. Kid, get out. I liked Get Out. Did not like Us. Sorry, I haven't watched Us. I've, I've heard a bunch of horrible things about it. And I'm like, I'll put it on the back burner. I'll get to it eventually. I tried to watch it. it. Just was kind of confusing and really weird. And I like it's supposed to be introspective and all those weird things, but. I didn't like it that much. <laughs> I hear like uh, spoiler alert. I hear they're basically just like tulpas, which are just like you know, you know what a tulpa is. Yes, like that, yeah, projected yeah. psychic uh, form. Yep. It's a weird. It's a weird film. So like, Michaels was kind of undecided as he was not sure if Belushi's physical humor would would fit and um, what he was actually envisioning. So he's like, oh, I don't know. But he changed his mind after giving Belushi an audition. 
So after his four-year tenure at uh, SNL, Belushi developed a series of successful characters, including the brilliant samurai Futiba. How would you say that? Because I can't like I remember seeing the character. Uh, the so samurai delicatessen, I think, was the name of the sketch. Yeah, where Delhi comes from, but uh, I don't. Futaba. That last name, Futaba. Futaba. Samurai Futaba. Hilarious. Because didn't he work at like a deli and shit, and he would just like chop people's meat up and stuff? Yes. Yeah, with the samurai sword out, and then <laughs> yeah. when he would get the uh, order wrong, he would uh, go to commit seppuku. Oh like, yeah, and he would kill himself. <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. That's so funny. Yeah, that's hilarious because yeah, if people don't know if uh if samurais fail, they have to kill themselves. That's why they have that little sword. Yeah, the Bushido code. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. I'm playing, I'm still on Ghost of Tsushima. I don't play games that often, but I I milk them for fucking months, if not years. <laughs> It's a good way, man. They're expensive as fuck. I know, I know, literally. So Henry, he actually did a Henry Kissinger. I didn't know that. I think I've seen Bob clips of it, but I forgot that he did a character for Henry Kissinger, which I think is funny because that guy's evil as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Ludwig van uh, Beethoven, which we all know. I've seen that sketch of him do that. That shit's so funny. Uh, I got uh, the Bumblebee Man one. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. Captain Kirk. Yeah, so I was going to say the Greek owner, Captain James T. Kirk. Yeah. And uh, contributor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the contributor of the Furious Opinion pieces on the weekend update. Uh, during his catchphrase, he coined, but no, <laughs> which is like the I like the weekend update. Like it, a lot of people have done it differently and stuff like that, but it's always been consistently funny, even um, even now with Michael Che and the dude that's married to Scarlett Johansson, lucky him. They're still funny. Like, you know, yeah. like they are actually pretty entertaining and they've like, cause I'm, I'm sure, right. They write for each other. Right. Isn't that the ploy? I would think they either write for each other or they play off one another. They just yeah. kind of improv it. I, cause I feel like a lot of people that are on SNL and stuff like that are like mainly improv comics yes. and sketch comics and what have you. Um, with it being a live show, obviously, if somebody goes one way or what have you, you got to kind of stay with it and be on the ball about it. So. Me and my girlfriend, we watch it. We've always talked about how we probably think that they're writing for each other because, like, they call in jokes or like end up reading something and he'll laugh because he's not even realizing what's written down. So, like, it's almost like because he's like, oh, like shit, when he reads the ending of it, because sometimes yeah. it's like a little racist or, you know, off the cuff and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, yeah, fuck. Michael Trey usually gives that little smile when it's something <laughs> yeah. stupid and racist where he's like, man, motherfucker. <laughs> and it's just funny where, uh, you know, Michael Chase started like doing like stuff like the round table of gentlemen and stuff like that. He's doing podcasting yeah. and shit. I and I've talked to I love I've, round table, dude. Yeah, I know. All so the Kevin I, Barnett shit is just so great i know he uh actually my girlfriend hates it because she thinks it's too vulgar but um even though she, <laughs> yeah, it's extremely vulgar but she actually thinks that uh that what's his name kevin barnett's the funniest part of it <laughs> you know the part that always had me dying was uh when they would just say something absolutely horrible like against women and then they're yeah. like oh jackie chime in and you're, you gotta be the voice of reason here and she's like not fuck them they deserve to get raped it's like, yeah, yes, i know i know it's ridiculous and, um, you know, I've, like, we've talked about doing that with doing a kind of not roundtable S show, but like doing all freestyle type of, uh, episodes and stuff like that. And that's what we're doing for the Patreon. It's kind of having fun and chiming in on our own opinions on shit. Cause it always goes haywire. <laughs> it's such a fun thing to listen to. It just makes you feel like you're a fly on the wall, especially when you got people that can, you know, chat back and forth and just bounce off of each other. Yeah. It's, 
Yeah, it's a great format for sure. So, so with Ackroy, Belushi created Jake and Elwood, the Blues Brothers. So it was originally intended to warm up the crowd before the shows, but the Blues Brothers were eventually featured as musical guests. So it did start on SNL, which is kind of crazy. So like many of his fellow SNL cast members, Belushi began experimenting heavily with drugs and attended concerts with many popular artists of the era, including Fleetwood Mac, Meatloaf, Kiss, The Dead Boys. Um, I've never heard of The Dead Boys. The Dead Boys were the b- official band of CBGBs. Uh, Hilly what? Crystal, it was really? His, yeah, it was his band. Uh, like he, or a bunch of people came to him, and he's like, I will manage you. I will produce your stuff. Um, one of them ended up getting like stabbed in um, – not Hell, was it Hell's Kitchen? Somewhere in, in New York City. Uh, That's and, fucked. Like, it was a whole that. big – yeah, their music's in my opinion, not even that good. Have you seen the CBGB movie with Alan Rickman? Yes. That movie's fucking great. It's I so, think it's really well done. The band that fucking Ron Weasley is in is the Dead Boys. What? Oh, that's yeah. fucking Oh, now I realize and now I think about the movie and stuff like that. I, I want to rewatch it because I absolutely love that movie. Um I when I worked at restaurants and I was a chef, there was a dude that was always regular at the bar. Um the guy was probably like, only like 31, but I was like only like 23, 24. And we used to constantly talk about uh like old era like punk and stuff like that. And, yeah dead Kennedy shit and the, what things would happen. And the first time I met this guy is he, uh, some guy was talking shit to this girl and kind of getting up on her. And uh, my buddy from the dish pit was like, yo, cause he can see through the bar window. He's like, a fight's going to start. And this guy just laid out this fucking dude for getting on this girl. Oh, and then we came out after the bar and we're like, we, uh, we appreciate it. that was kind of crazy seeing you knock out that guy. I was like, and he was allowed to stay because <laughs> he just like broke up the fucking fight. It's like, good Fuck for yeah. you, man. So Dude, one of my uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say one of my favorite scenes in that uh, that CBGB movie was when he had yeah. uh, the Ramones, the dude that plays JP and Grandma's Boy played uh, Joe yeah. Ramone. Yeah, he's like I don't. Our songs are called "I Don't Want to Walk Around with You." I don't want to go to the <laughs> basement with you. I don't want to hold your hand. Is there anything you do want to do? We're working on one right now called "I Want to Sniff Some Glue." <laughs> oh yeah, I know. <laughs> he he was actually. Um, he glo- and kind of fit the part and looked like Joey a little bit because Joey was not a good looking dude and he was uh, tall obscure, and tall, and lanky. Yeah, they need to do uh, an extremely well done Ramones movie, and I think eventually it will come. But I heard that um, um, what's that fucking director that always that the guy that made the uh, movie The Irishman? What the fuck's that guy's name? Scorsese. Scorsese was supposedly yeah. going to put out a Ramones movie. That's what I heard. Uh, and then oh, it man, keeps getting that. put on the back shelf <laughs> I love and shit. Easy, but fuck that. I know. I remember hearing about that years ago, and they just ke- probably kept back shoving it, and just never did it. Like, so yeah, do a, a gritty reboot of the Ramones yeah. where they're all like gang members or they're all organized <laughs> yeah. crime figures. Or I know. Shit. I thought it was weird that he was going to do it out of all people, but uh, we'll probably see it one day down the road. No, they destroyed the Tupac movie, but uh, you know, hopefully, there's faith in doing a Ramones movie. <laughs> Weren't they supposed to make a sequel to Straight Outta Compton where, like, they go into, like, Snoop Dogg and shit? They probably – I thought they were going to do that because Straight Outta Compton was good other than – just to chime in on this since we're talking about all sorts of different things on this episode. That just – I did not like how they did not include the Dr. Dre and Easy e beef because they constantly beefed with each other and did diss songs. The and best songs in, my, in the world in my opinion. And Fucking, they never uh, got pushed. Great. Yeah. 
They never got, you know, they never easy did a fucking whole album called um, it's on Dre. Like it's yep. uh, he, I don't know why they did not include that in the movie, but I would like to eventually probably dive into NWA, especially as they get older and stuff like that and die off and all on the things dead series. Have you ever <laughs> seen uh CB4 with Chris Rock? No. Oh man. Check that out. CB4. CB4, Cell Block 4, Charlie Murphy's in it, Chris Rock is in it, Phil Hartman's in it. What? Um, dude, I don't know out. how I've never seen that. It's great. CB4. It's basically straight out of Compton, out. the comedy. Huh. Maybe if I see clips of it, I might know it, but that's fucking weird. I'm surprised I've never seen that. So Such then, songs is, yeah, oh no, that's weird. It's just weird. Um, so the, yeah, and he hung out with people like the Grateful Dead and the Allman Brothers. Yep. <laughs> fucking Allman Brothers. And later with uh, Bob Costas, which I don't know who the fuck he is. Um, Bob Costas, I believe he's a sportscaster. Oh, that would Way make sense. My time. I don't know I don't shit know about sports. sports. Yeah. Same. <laughs> so in 1990, Lauren Michaels would remi- uh, remember him as loyal to the writers and the team player, but he was fired and immediately rehired by Michaels a number of times. And the thing is, the the way they describe in the era is that like you know nobody gave a shit about doing coke it was just there and it, they were constantly writing and up all night so it was more right. of a thing to keep them up and and then some people got hooked on it more than others like you know Chevy Chase obviously did so he did a lot that's why I heard and that makes you become yeah. an asshole if you do it enough so <laughs> no for sure and Chase was already an asshole allegedly so I mean all it's gonna do is amplify that aspect of his personality oh yeah oh, that's so true so in the Rolling Stones February 2015 prize of all 141 SNL cast members at to the time Belushi received the top ranking Belushi was the live in saturday night live they wrote the one who made the show happen on the edge nobody embodied the highs and lows of snl like belushi so true yeah just he had some of the best characters best characters just out there and this you know just vibrant energy based but you know that's you know and that's why chris farley tried to emulate that and go even bigger you know fatty sure, fall down yeah. make people laugh <laughs> I mean, Belushi did all of his own stunts allegedly too. So, like yeah. the Blues Brothers, where he's doing the fucking cartwheels down the aisle, that's actually Belushi. Yeah, because I've seen him live do that shit. When I was watching some of the docs and even Animal House, I think he does a couple cartwheels and he just does all this weird physical shit and a lot of mm-hmm. like stuff. Especially in SNL, he was doing that stuff, and that's was physical humor, and that's what Chris Farley took for his inspiration too, right? Oh, absolutely. Plus, Belushi had the added benefit of having one of those faces that's extremely animated, so he can convey yeah. like a yeah. whole of feeling or line it's without true. even saying a word, just like raising his eyebrow yeah, and then everyone yeah. start laughing and shit. That's yeah, so true. Exactly. So, in 1978, Belushi performed in the film's old boyfriends. Never seen that. Going south, which was directed by Jack Nicholson. Just watched it. Um, it's also going got, south. Uh, yeah, it's also got um, Christopher Lloyd. I think Danny DeVito's in it as well. Um, oh, that's funny. It's weird. I've never heard about this. Like, I more or less knew Belushi from SNL, Animal House, and the Blues Brothers. That was, like, the main things where I was showing through my father and stuff. And his, like, him, him my dad's totally into comedy. I love Steve Martin. Uh, on Father's Day, I gave him – he's already got his Steve Martin's, like, book – but uh, I got him the, this cartoon illustration book that Steve Martin did with this dude, and they just make jokes and stuff. And it's where I get a lot of my comedy aspect, and, and what I love about comedy is my father, right? Like, 
Hell yeah. And then National Lampoon's Animal House. And upon initial release, Animal House received generally mixed reviews from the critics because it was probably super inappropriate for the time. Even though it was the 80s and there's horror movies popping out everywhere. Actually, not even like it was just about the 80s, right? The 80s were just about to pop off. So, you know, and people were still like on edge about certain things people were talking about. It couldn't fly today, that's for sure. There's no way. No, for sure. A lot of cultural taboos. It definitely aged better than Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. That one, um, I still yeah. love Revenge of the Nerds, but technically he dresses up like Darth Vader and he rapes a girl because she he doesn't technically know rapes a girl, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, you guys, yeah, fuck that one up. But yeah, but Time Magazine and Roger Ebert proclaimed it was one of the year's best films. It was filmed for $2.8 million and is one of the most profitable movies of all time. Uh, it Like, the estimated gross, more than $151 million, and they made it for two point eight, which is crazy. Was that in theaters, or is that... Well, with, that like, in the form of... That was the form of theatrical rentals and home uh, movie not included oh. in the merchandising. So that's just the theatrical release. And then you think about all the people that bought the movie and watched it from home and shit too. Oh, for sure. All and it became a cult classic. Well. Oh, it absolutely. A cult yeah. classic, right? Hollywood studios would try and copy the success without the satire creating a string of nerd versus jock films. So that's exactly what we're talking about. And yeah. the 1980s with cheap uh, uh, sight gags involving nudity and gross out humor, you know, Stripes came out and Meatballs starring Bill Murray. So once they saw the success of Animal House, they realized they could do this like slapstick comedy, like like titty bar comedy kind of shit. I fucking uh, absolutely love Stripes. <laughs> It, it's a fantastic film. Yeah. That's stupid. Uh, and it's funny. great. John Candy, great Harold Ramis, yeah. great Bill Murray. Uh, apparently that is the movie that inspired uh, Maynard James Keenan of tool to enlist in the air force. What? Really? Yes. <laughs> Such a, it's, uh, and I just watched that like probably a couple months ago. It's fucking hilarious. Still, still funny. So following the success of the blues brothers on SNL, Belushi and Ackroyd with help of pianist, uh, <laughs> Paul Schaefer started assembling studio talents to form a proper band. And in 1978, the Blues Brothers released their debut album, Briefcase Full of Blues. (laughs) Briefcase Full of Booze would have been mine. Uh, That would have been great. With Atlantic Records. Yeah, yeah, I think it was because didn't they had all their songs in in the movie, right? I just think it's funny in the movie that Dan Aykroyd is in this like shitty little apartment, like his brother gets out of jail and shit. Just uh, it's just funny and how they're like sleaze. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> such a tiny looks like a jail cell. The album reached actually number one on the billboards, uh two hundred and went double platinum. Two singles were released, Rubber Biscuit, which released uh reached number thirty-seven on the Billboard's Hot Hundred, and Soul Man, which reached number fourteen. So they were up there and people were listening to it. Yeah, Soul Man is was was assaulted with. Or we were all assaulted with Soul Man for a brief period in the nineties <laughs> as well, where they just did not play it, not did not stop playing it. It was that's hilarious. Um, I kind of remember that because my dad would listen to it. Like I, I still collect records, but I got a lot of them from my dad and my mom and stuff like that. And he had like a he had a couple uh, comedic records. Like, and I recently, like last year round, I found the um, Bob and Doug McKenzie record. It was like a fucking calling. I saw like you know uh, the Great White North, and I saw that cover, and I was in a, like an antique store, and I was like, oh, I have to get this. <laughs> you have to absolutely. No, that's that's uh, an album that's constantly in my car. It's it's really that I have on. Yeah, I have it on, so on the funny. go whenever. Uh, it's fucking hilarious, the, uh, man. Getty Lee version of uh, Takeoff. 
Yep. So in 1979, Belushi left SNL with Ackroyd to film Blues Brothers because they had conflicting shooting schedules of SNL. So they made two movies together after leaving SNL, Neighbors, and most notably the Blues Brothers. And I've seen clips of Neighbors, but not actually ever watched it. I've seen most of Neighbors. I've never finished it all the way through, but I know in that one, Belushi plays the uh, the straight man, if you will, just like yeah. the normal, like you know, dude. And uh, Ackroyd does the wild man. Well, um, and I noticed that it was slightly boring. Like it was just the, yes. the way you know, it wasn't top notch. The the way they wrote it, I guess, was trying to be like funny, but not on edge funny kind of thing. Uh, wasn't the greatest, that's for sure. <laughs> More of like a, yeah, I guess you could take your teenage kids to see this. It's fine kind of movie yeah. versus a, uh, yeah, there's tits and drinking and a lot of fucks <laughs> in this. Yeah, exactly. So released in the U.S. on June 20th, 1980, the Blues Brothers received generally positive reviews. It earned just under $5 million in its opening weekend, the opening weekend, but it went to gross $115.2 million in the theaters worldwide before its release on home video. So it did fairly well. Like people did enjoy it, and you know, he was, John Belushi's fame was at the height at this point, I would think, and Ackroyd's. Mm-hmm. Ackroyd got bigger slightly down the road with Ghostbusters, and like he he was just kind of a skinny dude. And then if you see him in Ghostbusters, he's like gained a shitload of weight. But that's what money does, man. Yeah, he ballooned after that. But yeah, he's yeah. way chunkier in Ghostbusters than he is in anything else. Because like him as Elwood Blues, he's a fucking twig. Yeah, I know. He's like that's what even I was watching it recently. I was like, man, he looks so young and skinny. And then it's just like, well, money. You know, even Vinny Paz, my favorite rappers, he's like uh, a little bit more money. That's why I ain't skinny because he's a fat fucking dude. Because you know, when you start making yeah. money, you eat more and you drink more and shit, right? So that uh, and, Ghostbusters may have also been around the time where he just stopped doing a bunch of coke and acid with Carrie Fisher. Yes, yeah, that's just so crazy too. That you know, Carrie Fisher, I love. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Even the new ones, people can say whatever they want. I thought I think Adam Driver as Kylo Ren is an ingenious character. Yeah. Like I, I think it's so uh, dramatic and kind of he's in between light and dark. And Adam Driver is just an amazing fucking actor, though. Totally, I I I will will say. Kylo yeah. Ren is a great character, and that's all I'm going to say about Star Wars at this point. <laughs> we'll have to dive into uh, maybe even for the Patreon or something. We'll get in because I want to discuss a bunch of stuff about Star Wars and do a whole episode based. I don't know what we would do, like a pop culture based episode, but I'm a big fan, and there's a lot of deep shit about Star Wars, and you know, and and that's what got me into weird alien shit and conspiracies somewhat too. Because I was like, I want to be in that. I want to have a lightsaber and battle yeah. aliens. <laughs> For me, it was the X Files and Independence Day. Those yeah, oh yeah. Got me into it. And, I my my back. woman's never seen Independence Day, and I always want to show her because I was like, she likes Will Smith and his Scientology. Oh. As I was just gonna make fun of him, but he he is a good actor. His beliefs are fucking out of the window, but uh, she likes him. So I was like, you gotta watch Independence Day. It's an intense fucking good movie. Like it's it's funny too. And he finds like the um, and then even Man in Black's funny too. When he finds the alien baby and the chick has it. <laughs> The uh, yeah, Will Smith is a good actor, but he believes in some weird ass shit. That's for sure. But we all do, right? So yeah, I don't really even have like a problem with Scientology's beliefs. I have a problem with the fact that it is a structured fucking pyramid scheme that has oh, yeah. way more power than it ever needed like, and destroyed people's lives. Yeah, yeah, destroyed a lot of people's lives, right? So exactly. The Blues Brothers Band toured to promote the film, which led to a third album and a second live album, Made in America, recorded at the Universal Amphitheater 
in 1980. The track Who's Making Love peaked at number 39. The only film Belushi made without Ackroy following his departure from SNL was romantic comedy Continental Divide. I looked this up and it it wasn't that um, it wasn't critiqued pretty very well. So it's a romantic comedy starring Dan Aykroyd? No, starring Belushi. I oh. think this is one of his last one of his last films. It's semi-serious then? It's more yes. like a, a date night movie? Yeah, I watched the trailer of it and it looked fucking boring. <laughs> it doesn't lie. seem like that would play to his strong suits very well. No, it's just, yeah, just a weird and he, just, he was the lead character and it was without Acro- uh, Dan Aykroyd. So it just, I looked at the trailer and I read some stuff about it and I was like, eh, like I was debating on watching it because I wanted to watch a bunch of his films before we got into this. Um, but he only had so many and some of them didn't fly so well, right? So, yeah. <laughs> So John Belushi was known by a lot of nicknames. He would be ever associated with uh, for Bluto from obviously Animal House. And he would always be Jake Blues to the fan of the Blues Brothers. His close friend and frequent collaborator, obviously Dan Aykroyd, coned a nickname for Belushi as well. America's Guest. And it reflects on Belushi's weird habit of winding up in private homes of strangers. So, which is a fucking uh, weird habit of winding up in. Oh, oh yeah, because he would just end up is passed out on somebody's couch, like, like somebody's yeah. that he was partying with, or he just opened a door and just crashed on whatever. Well, it's just in here. the private homes of strangers. So I don't know if somebody like because I read that he would just kind of show up at people's houses and they'd be like, "Yo, you're Belushi," like, yeah. "Oh, you know, you can you can stay at my house." Like, I guess, for example, while filming the Blues Brothers in the middle of the night in Harvey, Illinois, uh, Belushi disappeared from the set. Ackroy seemed to know exactly where he was. He spotted a path that led to a house that still had the lights on. Ackroy walked up and knocked on the door and asked the man of the house if he's seen one of the film's actors. He's like, oh, you mean Belushi? The homeowner reportedly replied. He came in. An hour ago, and raided my fridge. Belushi was indeed <laughs> present and accounted for, asleep on the living room couch. And after I got him up and walked him back to the set, which I find hilarious that because people knew him and he was all over the place, if he was probably drunk or on a coke binge, he'd probably knock on somebody's door that had the lights on and be like, "Hey, what's going on? Like, I, I'm kind of tired and I'm hungry," <laughs> and they let him I- in. It's post SNL, so in all technicality, this man was in these people's living rooms every Saturday night yeah. before. So if you knew, I probably would have been probably like, "Dude, fucking Belushi's in my house." Yeah, that's cr- I know. I thought that I thought that story's so funny, and that's why he always called him America's guest because I guess this happened numerous times where he would just be at some stranger's house after a party or even in the middle of the night and just or just go to somebody's house when he was tired and they would just let him sleep there because everyone seemed to love him. He was the polar opposite of Chevy Chase. Like yeah. everyone loved Belushi and wanted to spend time with him. And that's why a lot of people gave him drugs because, you know, they would just give him drugs for free a lot of the times, which the documentary I was watching is that people would just be like, Hey, I got something for you. Have a good time. Kind of thing. I'm sure they wind him up just to get the best out of him that they could. Oh yeah. Like, oh, he's going to be hilarious tonight. Cause I gave him a fuckload of speed. Like, <laughs> yes, <okay. laughs> so Belushi took his free uh, wheeling comedy stylings to the set of national lampoons animal house. And it became a box office smash. As we said, and made Belushi a viable movie star. He's character, John Bluto, uh, uh, isn't it? Blarsky or something like that. Blutarsky. 
Blutarski. Yeah. yeah. Just like he went on to become Senator Robert Blutarski. Yeah, that's funny. I, I'm literally uh where am I in the movie? Um they're I think they're just getting ready for the toga party. <laughs> Fucking Was it funny. over when the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor? Yeah. Let him go, he's on a roll. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. You know, the, he was the, definitely the party animal and the servant to his own huge appetites for partying, women and food. Belushi had such a lock on his character that he used that understanding to completely improvise one of the movie's most famous scenes. As the cafeteria line sequence has been conceived, Belushi was supposed to walk past the food, loading up his tray with as much food as possible, which is like, I literally just watched that. Like I watched the movie just before we did this, then just put it back on. And director John, what are we going to (laughs) say? Oh no. He's taking everything off the line and just putting it on the tray and like turning and looking at me and like, Eats the jello, stuff yes. things in his shirt. <laughs> he like eats like a whole burger and then like puts half of it back and shit. And like yeah, it's it's a pretty funny scene. So director John Landis planned to kind of indicate what items he wanted Belushi to grab, but Belushi kind of just elevated it. Rather than just make a sandwich, for example, he squeezed it until it oozed out of its wrapping, which and that's what he does that one burger, he just like shoves it all in his mouth. And yeah. then he, and then he puts some of it back. And then he shoved it all in his mouth. And he kept kind of doing this kind of thing belushi filmed the whole sequence without any sort of rehearsal and which is surprising they did it all in one take that whole scene if you watch is all in one take which i think is kind of hilarious hell yeah so it's done yeah it's done perfect just go with it one take jake i guess you could say so john belushi provided some of the most powerful moments in snl history but he was also responsible for one of the show's most notorious incidents in 1981 belushi grew obsessed with fear a hardcore punk band out of Los Angeles. Well, you know who, do you know who fear is? I don't. I've heard of fear before. And I'm pretty sure I used to work with this buddy that was like a little bit weird, but he was super, and he's, he got me back into collecting records and stuff. And he okay. had a couple of fear records. And they said that there's a crazy fucking punk band. They're just one of those up and comings that, you know, they, they lasted a little bit, but I don't think they lasted too long, but they also inspired a lot of other punk bands and stuff like that. Okay. So, uh, while he left SNL cast in 1979, Belushi still somehow was persuaded the show's brand new producer, Dick Ebersol, to book the group as a musical guest. Even though he wasn't really a part of SNL at this point, he convinced Dick to, uh, to get live from New York, the complete uncensored history of Saturday Night Live. Belushi, this is according to Dick, said Belushi personally vouched that they were terrific and so on. Fear performed on October 31st, 1981. A Halloween episode, the band's second performance of the night, subsequently became, as Dick recounted, so when they were filming the show and doing the band, um, people were carving pumpkins, and then there's blood coming out of all these pumpkins and shit, which is kind of crazy. Dick realized that at that moment, because they're all like, I think they were smashing pumpkins, and there was obviously fake blood in it, and they were carving Mm. pumpkins on stage, obviously, with like real knives. And this is when Dick realized at that moment, he gave Belushi too much freedom. But by then, it was too late. Because... Fears um, entourage, including Blue, 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 Belushi, they started slam dancing on the SNL stage, which is hilarious. So they're just like fucking going all out. Washing into each other. Yep. 
banging off each other, banging into the audience, banging into the cameraman. Dick had the control room cut out from the live broadcast to a pre-film comedy piece. And fear played on this studio where all because of Belushi, the SNL um, faculties. So they pretty much, they had to spend so $2,500 in damages because of the band, which is not Holy crazy. But, I mean, for back then, it was still quite a bit. What's that sound? I think it's rain. Are you you have fucking rain out there? It just started. I was like, yeah, your room looks fucking real dark all of a sudden. Oh yeah, it's pissing out. Holy hell, that's crazy. I could like hear like sound like someone was typing on a typewriter. I wonder if I can turn it down. Not the rain, obviously. I'm not that stoned. Just like let me turn down the rain, man. Like you're on movie click. Turn down, turn down. So let's get into the death of the legend. So struggling to get his movie career back on track following the lackluster critical and box office reception two recent roles that Belushi had in scoring himself in Bungalow Number 3 in order to work on a script for and taking meetings about Noble Rot, a romantic comedy set in the earlier years of the California wine industry. So this is what he was writing. It's called Noble Rot. So that would have been maybe interesting. It's too bad. You know what I mean? Didn't come a comedy out. Comedy about like a vineyard? Yeah, I guess so. In the, the early years of the California wine industry. So I don't like know how Napa old. Valley and what have you. Yeah, I don't know how old that would have to be. Um, but the work was not going well, according to Levy's book. And Paramount was keen for him to do a film based on the joys of sex before Noble Rot. Belushi attention span was limited and his speech was often incoherent. His clothes were dirty and he appeared unbathed. His bungalow was in a consistent state of disarray. So he was letting the drugs get to him. He wasn't giving a shit about anything else other than making sure he gets that next hit. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm sure he's full blown addict at this point where nothing else in his life mattered. No, and even Do- uh, Dr. Drew was on the one documentary I was watching, and he kind of was talking about that and just how, you know, once you're in that far, it's just it's too late, and they will do anything to get that next hit. It's like crazy. Yep. So his heavy drug use was already apparent during the filming of the Blues Brothers. We had a budget in the movie for cocaine for night shoots. Co-star Dan Aykroyd told Vanity Fair in 2012. They had a fucking budget in the set in the film for doing coke. I'm not shocked in the least, but I always used to make the joke where uh, that scene where he's doing the cartwheels. I'm like, somebody was just dangling a little baggie of coke at the end, the other end of that scene. Just like, oh, oh yeah, come on, so man, you can do it. get the coke, get the coke. He's also super sweaty all the time. In that oh, movie, I so know. He really looks like he's in the thick of it. Yeah, and I've noticed that with some stuff uh, I was watching too. Again, when the documentary I was watching, they're showing clips of him and uh, on certain spots, even on SNL, when he probably just started it, he was extremely sweaty playing some of these characters. You know what I mean? And that's it makes your heart pound out of your fucking chest and stuff. So it's, you know, and then he was just, you you know, he's letting it get to him and he was letting it uh, take over his life. I'm so, sure a lot of that too was the stage yeah. lights back then because I, mean, I know there weren't oh, any LEDs, so they were putting off a fuckload of heat. And like, yeah, and then imagine being on Coke too while doing that oh, shit from no. the stage lights. So even Dan Aykroyd said everyone did it, including me, never to access, uh, to excess, and not ever to where I wanted to buy it or have it. But obviously, people gave it to him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But John, he just loved it. 
loved what it did. It sort of brought him alive at night. That superpower feeling where you start to talk and converse and figure out you can solve all the world's problems. And that's, you know, and uh, from my own experience of doing shit like that when I was younger and, you know, doing drugs is. Yeah. Yeah, at the beginning, and you you feel it feels great and stuff like that. I've had my own problems with shit, and you know you feel good, and you're just hanging with buddies, and me and buddies would do that shit and and have hours long conversations. I remember we're all doing fucking lines and shit. My buddy and his college buddies are there that you know didn't know me, and I start we start getting into talks about like reptilians and stuff, and I'm just talking about all this crazy alien shit, and they're just like all like hooked to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get to, and then you, it gets worse and worse the more you do it. And then, and then you, if you start buying it, then it just becomes this process where it's like you think you need it. And I guess this is what was happening to him. Yeah, you yeah. reach a certain point where you're like, this is my weekend thing. And then it's like, well, I can't go to work like this. So I kind of need to get more and you know, yes. make it through. And then it becomes an everyday thing. And then you're like, well, my life is completely out of control. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, it happened to me for a little bit and I just got myself out of it. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's kind of crazy. You got to have that willpower, though, that obviously Belushi did not have. <laughs> right. So Belushi spent, he was like, he was like, you know, he's like Farley, you know, they're just the wild souls and they just love to do everything in excess. Everything. Yeah. Everything in excess. So Belushi spent the majority of his final week in and around the Sunset Strip, hopscotching from one party scene to the next. Um, so that's it. Does sound a lot like exactly what Farley did in his last days. If you go back mm-hmm. and listen to our Chris Farley episode, it's like what we talk about. How he Farley was all around the bar scene, going all these different things, all fucked up. People said that he didn't look like his it looked like a soul was gone in his eyes, and you know what I mean. So. They literally like uh, emulate each other so much. If Farley was born slightly after his death, I would can be convinced that he reincarnated as Farley. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but they the were. Energy is very yeah, much the same. But they were very similar. Yeah. So he went, he'd be at the Roxy nightclub and then he'd be at the Rainbow Bar, which sounds like the Rainbow Bar and Grill uh, sounds like a gay bar. It does. It does. There's a bar out here called the Cowboy, and I'm like, you guys missed an opportunity. It's not a gay bar. Why isn't it? (laughs) That's really so. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's. Is there a lot of cowboys that hang out there with their big ass hats? No man, it's New York. (laughs) There's no fucking cowboys (laughs) here. (laughs) That's true. People uh, in small towns around Ontario, people people try to act like cowboys, and then they realize that they're not. (laughs) I mean, that's the same without here. Yeah, anywhere on the outskirts, they're just like, we're country. It's like. I hate country. <laughs> we were talking about this uh, the other night. We we're having drinks. Like, I can't stand country music other than maybe Johnny Cash and like Everlast. Other than that, but um, Everlast? I, yeah, Everlast is technically country. You could say. Oh my god, I I guess wasn't he like a rapper at one point? Yeah, he was. At, well, he was in um uh House of Pain. Jump, jump, yeah. jump around, and he started doing this like country hip hop shit, and that's when him and Eminem had beef because Eminem was dissing him for doing this like country weird folky rap style. But I've yeah. always liked Everlast, so fuck it and he's a good I just, friend i never working. hear everlast and johnny cash said in the same breath like yeah I'll, I'll say something similar where i'm like oh i'm not really into country i'm like but i can enjoy johnny cash or willie nelson or hank williams or whatever yes. like early early yeah. show. I'm like this is kind of folky not really country but yeah, yeah. everlast technically claimed himself to be like a country for a bit oh, i can and see he, it yeah no, he goes sure. up and down though right he just he does he's done a lot of weird music that's for sure yeah. like different styles of music so and then you know he's at the restaurant dan uh tanas on santa, uh, santa monica boulevard to name a few 
His bungalow became a spot uh, on the circuit after the clubs closed at 2 a.m. And that's what I'm saying. Included visitors from Robin Williams and Robert De Niro would show up at Belushi's house, probably do drugs with him because uh, Robin Williams was definitely killed by the Illuminati. That is my opinion. Uh, <laughs> you think so? I think that he was. T- he talked a lot of shit and said a lot of things that were extremely true in his stand-up. And I remember when he first died, it came out that this is what they said, and I can't find this anymore, but they said that he slit his wrist and then tried to hang himself. So it just seems like somebody couldn't go. They, you know, they maybe tried to hang him first and then they slit his wrist. So they, he would die quicker, but it just seems like if you slit your wrist first and then try to make a noose and hang yourself, I just feel like it's not going to work that well. I don't, I don't know. I, I know they talked about him having that debilitating disease that was only going to get worse. And he just yeah. kind of in a moment of lucidity was like, oh, I'm fucking checking out. Which yeah. is understandable. I mean, the man suffered from multiple different mental illnesses and, you know, decades of cocaine abuse on top of that. Who um, knows? Who knows if that's actually true? I've, I just, in my conspiracy mind, I've just, uh, I've read a couple of things that are kind of sketchy about his death and what his friends said about it and stuff. And even his yeah. daughter said something about like that. He was trying to get better. And, you know, I guess they always say that and then something happens. Right. So for sure. Who knows? But I think that's kind of crazy because I love Rob Williams. I'd love to do him on the Famous Dead series too because I, my dad, I love Rob Williams. My dad grew up He's playing amazing. those movies. Like we watched Miss Delphire when I was young, even the stupid ones like where he's the robot. <laughs> <laughs> oh god bicentennial man yeah yes. this is Doubtfire is the reason i hate sally fields i cannot really? watch her in anything yeah and i like i like watching old tv and stuff but like when gidget comes on or the flying nun i'm like you were mean to rob williams you burn in hell bitch yeah because she <laughs> was the mother she's the mother right yeah i mean she's honestly the- though in that movie he's not a stable father no by any stretch of the imagination he and I understand her standpoint, but when as a kid, I was just like, you're a bitch. Fuck yeah, I know. I can see that same thing where everyone loved Robin Williams in that movie. And even as Mrs. Doubtfire, and she was a complete cunt to, <laughs> to mm-hmm. him. And even though he was trying, but you know, he's trying to be the fun dad, but yeah, uh, yeah well, I love Robin. Williams. That'd be another topic for our day, but even uh, Robert De Niro is kind of crazy that he would go hang out with the, uh, like Belushi. So Belushi's wife, Judy, who he married in 1967, had remained at their residence in New York and had heard little from her husband in the last week, which would be scary at the time. And I think like her and Dan Aykroyd were having ongoing conversations because they were actually pretty close to each other where they lived. Mm-hmm. So they spoke on March 4th and she recalled he sounding better, more frustrated than depressed. Uh, but she knew his drug use was out of control. And according to the uh, 1984 biography, Wired, The Short Life in Fast Times of John Belushi by Bob Woodward, Woodward, uh, the same day Belushi contacted Kathy Smith, same day he talked to his wife, he contacted Kathy Smith, the addict and sometimes dealer, but she would procure drugs for Belushi all the time. Okay. That's who he would go to and the people would give him free shit, but she would mostly like, he'll give him the money and she'll go get it. And then she would even do the injection for him and stuff like that. So Belushi had also visited manager Bernie Brillstein and had asked for $1,500 in cash to buy a new guitar. And he said, I'm not giving you the money. So Brillstein is quoted as saying, um, as, as saying in the wired, you're going to use it on drugs. Later that day, Brillstein says he relented and gave Belushi the cash. He probably felt bad too, especially he didn't want to. 
He well, probably, probably left the man. office with his tail between his legs and being like, all right, whatever, man, I get it. I'm just a fuck up or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah, yeah, the exactly. like, oh, man, maybe I was a dick and – yeah. Um, yeah. And even there was, I can't remember the guy, what's his name? I can't remember the guy's name, but Belushi also had a bodyguard that it w- actually would help celebrities and stuff like that get off drugs. And there was like, there's cases where there, this dude <laughs> kept this, so they're at this restaurant, right? And he sees, he tried to keep Belushi away from these characters, these people that would would feed him drugs for free um, a right. lot of the times to get him hooked on so he'd spend more money later on. So this guy goes in the washroom, leaves this Coke behind the mirror, and then the bodyguard, I can't remember his name, goes in, takes it out. Belushi goes in. It's not there. Comes out, looks a little frustrated. He notices they're having conversation again. Guy goes back in the washroom, does it again. Belushi goes back in. (laughs) It's not there. So the bodyguard keeps taking it away. And then the, for the third time he did this, Belushi was getting mad. So then the bodyguard, uh, I guess, went up to the guy and was like, how long do you want to fucking do this for? Do you want to, you want to keep doing this? How much money are you willing to waste? Yeah. Which I think it's crazy. And then I guess it's finally – I know. That's what, and then he he loved Belushi and wanted to help him and we always wanted to be there for him. And I guess finally – uh, they, he's like, Oh, I need a cigarette. And the guy put fucking the Coke in the cigarette pack. And then the bodyguard and Belushi like had a fucking like Russ and tussin, like either tussling down, he throws them down. They're like hugging each other on the floor and he's trying to take the smoke pack away from him. So we really tried. And I guess that the bodyguard said that at a point he wasn't Belushi was fine. He wasn't really doing it anymore. He seemed like coherent enough and, and wasn't abusing it the way that he was before. And the bodyguards like, you don't need me anymore. I'm going on. He's like, no, but I, I want you to stay kind of thing. And I want you to still be my bodyguard. I can pay you more. And he was like, yeah. no, I, don't, I, I need to help somebody else. You're fine. Which is obvious. was obviously a mistake. And it's pretty sad. That's sad. So on the evening of Thursday, March 4th, the Nero and actor, Harry Dean Stanton, which is crazy, stopped by Belushi's bungalow to urge him to come to dinner at the Dan Tanna's uh, and then go on the rocks, an exclusive sunset strip club. So it was like, you know, come out for dinner and we'll go, we'll go to the fucking strip club after. Sounds like a good time. But Bel- I can see Belushi- strip club with De Niro and Harry Dean fucking yeah. Stanton. <laughs> yeah, I'm I sure know. that's going to be a great time. Yeah, I know. And Belushi, that probably was a fucking wild time. So they found in the room was in a trash state and Belushi and Smith, that chick that loved giving him drugs. There was empty wine bottles everywhere, dirty laundry, a bunch of old pizza boxes, just a a perfect drug addict's dream. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So agreeing to return after on the rocks closed, De Niro and Stanton left. Real uh, Williams, Rob Williams had met the actors at the nightclub and planned on stopping by Belushi's bungalow after Williams performed an unscheduled set at the comedy store, which is kind of cool that they're probably drinking and someone's like, yo, Williams, yo, Robin, yo, you should, uh, you should, you should jump on stage, bro. So, all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and his standup shit. Primed up. Yeah. His standup shit was hilarious back in the eighties and stuff and off the oh, cuff yeah. and crazy and too funny so live on broadway that happened in the mid 2000s was fantastic and it was so high energy well even uh people said you know uh weapons of uh mass destruction or whatever that uh his last like stand a big stand-up uh special as i was saying people thought that um he was saying a lot of shit that was going against a lot of government officials like he made fun of fucking joe biden 
You ever seen that one? I, I have seen that clip. Yes. Yeah. Where he's like, you got fucking people like sleepy Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that guy's, and that's fucking years ago. And he was like, like digging hard into him and saying, and, and making fun of, um, um, like George Bush and, uh, what's I mean, his name? Talking shit about Bush. Oh, speaking of fucking yeah. Donald Rumsfeld, see in hell, bitch. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Literally. Fuck the Rumsfeld. One down, six to go. I know. I see. Yeah, I saw that post you did. That's fucking funny. You, so man. fucking true, man. So true. I was drunk and made that last night. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, you I actually made good. that? That's <laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah, that's OC. <laughs> well, he's bringing hell getting raped by the reptilians now. So, and I didn't even know that Don Rumsfeld died until I saw your post. I was like, what? He fucking is yeah. gone? You know, uh, that was that was the silver lining to uh, Bill, uh, the rapist Cosby, getting released from fucking prison. Well, how the fuck did that? That's crazy, too, that that happened. Okay, man. so technically, he got legally railroaded. Yeah. So what happened was, like, legally, he's not supposed to be in jail. Morally, yeah. he should be shot in the head and buried yeah. in a shallow grave. Legally, he's not supposed to be in jail, though, because they fucking screwed it up pretty royally. Um, I don't. I couldn't go into all of it right now, but there's a lot of shit that like he got an unfair trial and things like that because of the bias and. Oh, I'm sure we'll talk about that dickhead. We maybe we'll cover him on the famous dead. Yeah, I I hated Bill Cosby my entire life, and then when he finally got convicted of rape, I was like, oh, maybe that's why. Oh, pudding pops, pudding pops. I fucking hate. I'm gonna zip a zapper with my pudding pop, and I gotta put the Spanish fly in the new Coke and take the picture with the Kodak film. (laughs) He's such a goofy bitch, and I never liked. I never liked his stand up. I never liked his goofy way, but I never watched the Cosby show. I just didn't like him. And the funny thing is, Joe Rogan talks about how they, they heard about that shit in the eighties that he was doing that shit. So he has a bit where he talks about putting Spanish fly in a woman's drink. Yeah. Like he has a bit about do, giving a girl a Mickey and it's like, uh, what? I know. Like, Sp- Spanish flies and shit that uh, fucks you. It makes you go to sleep. Right. I think it's just another word for like a date rape drug. Yeah. Um, That's so or whatever. So crazy. So then obviously like Williams performed at the comedy store and then Williams actually arrived alone to find Belushi and Smith both inebriated state, which is mind blowing to me that I realize this that Robin Williams is one of the last people to like see him. Like to I wonder if that affected him if he was just like, Man, I could have done more. How did I not see yes. Belushi? Yeah, I you know they, they, that could be a ca- the case. He could have well, fucked like, his psyche up too because he he was there and he could have brought an ambulance there if they were bo- both fucked up and inebriated. Obviously, and they it seems like it says that they were still awake at this point. So mm-hmm. Belushi could be on the couch, but oh, you know, like just like barely not coherent. Now. Yeah, like- yeah. So that's that's crazy. I just I never knew that Robin Williams. Even the documentary I watched, they didn't even mention that Robin Williams was showing up or had anything to do with the last moments of his life at all. So I find that pretty interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. So according to the castle on Sunset, Williams, like De Niro before him, found the scene unsettling and left after talking with Belushi. So Robin Williams obviously talked to him. Was like, "What's going on, dude? Are you good? Like, are you going to be okay? Like, this yeah. it looks real fucking shitty in here, bro. Like, what are you doing with your life?" And you you're know, Robin Williams, shape, man, you're gonna be okay. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking because Robin Williams obviously had his time with drugs too. So probably seeing that was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't. I hopefully it would have been like, I don't want to be like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, so, he did get clean. Like Williams yeah. sobered up quite a bit, and I think he yeah. had like occasional like you know alcohol stains and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he wasn't like a full blown everyday all day addict. He was more of a binge addict where it was like, I'm gonna do this in spurts. Yeah, no, I I agree. 
And uh, so, like, he even told uh, Williams, he was like, I'm com- I was complaining about feeling ill that evening, and he was doing small amounts of cocaine. So, obviously, Williams saw him doing it, but he was just maybe a couple bumps and stuff like that, where it's just like, even um, even when I used to partake and stuff like this, it's like, I try to do, like, you know, you, you, as I would do it, everyone would be like, oh, yo, he can make a 40 bag last him like a week and shit yeah. like that. And then you start doing it here more and more and more. And it gets worse and worse, and you feel shittier and shittier the next day after doing it. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah, for sure, because like was it me, yeah, me, me and Billy had our time with it. He was out west doing it a lot and stuff like that. And it's it's not it's not good for you for all the people out there that enjoy doing it. Just fucking stop. It's not gonna it's not gonna help your life by any means. It's not it's not worth the the fun times you think you're gonna have. No. No, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so yep. De Niro to stop by for a brief interaction before returning to his own suite sometime after 3 a.m. And see, it is crazy in this documentary I was watching, didn't even mention that, that De Niro, Robert fucking De Niro, was there pro- hours before Belushi died. It's just like, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's like, it was, it's like, it was his initiation into the Illuminati. Yeah, I don't like Robert De Niro that much. I like him in movies. Like, he's funny in the Falkers and stuff like that. But in, yeah. like, I like Taxi. Um, Taxi Driver's amazing. Yeah, like, it's just, he, now he's got older, he seems like a dick about stuff and thinks he's like a know it all and knows everyone's best interest, it seems like. I mean, he is officially old school Hollywood and he is buddies with arguably one of the biggest directors of, you know, the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever. Fucking Scorsese. So, yeah, I mean, he definitely has that. My shit don't stink attitude. Yeah, oh, for sure. So Belushi and Smith reportedly continued injecting cocaine mixed with heroin, which I think they started doing at the the bar, and then they went to the strip club, and I think they left when uh, Rob Williams went to do the the, the random stand up at the comedy mm-hmm. club because they were just like they obviously wanted more drugs. Later that morning, breakfast was delivered to the bungalow where Smith signed for it. So Belushi was still sleeping, passed out, um, and having earlier complained about chest congestion which if you're doing that much drugs you should probably have an ambulance come in you know you're famous even your if your breath you, is really short yeah your heart's yeah. probably about to give out even if you um even if you give this uh even if you just hide all the drugs there would have been the cops is belushi they wouldn't have probably charged anybody or done anything they would just got the paramedics to check him out kind of shit you know what i mean i wonder so, if it was like yeah. when uh when people wake up uh addicts that are od with narcan how they're usually really pissed off because like you killed my fucking high i wonder if it was more along that those lines where he's like he was so adverse to sobriety at that point that even the thought of getting better he's just like i don't want to be fucking sober i hate being sober yeah that could be completely true too because that happens so according to wired smith checked on belushi again around 10 15 before departing the bungalow and so she she went in she checked on him and he seemed to just be like slightly snoring so taking her syringe the spoon that they've been using uh in case like the maid came to clean up the room so it was around noon when bill wallace Belushi's physical trainer, which is weird. So this is the guy. So uh, the physical trainer and sometimes bodyguard arrived at the bungalow. Um, I I think that, yeah, Bill Wallace is the same guy. They like try to get him off this shit. And so obviously he was just helping him get better and get more healthier while working with other actors. Cause he said, like you're good, man. And then obviously he went down a, a big steep hill. So 
He arrived at the bungalow to drop off a typewriter and a tape recorder Belushi had requested. Letting himself in with his key, Wallace found the star in the bed not breathing because he was like, Belushi kind of came in and was like, yo, John, yo, what's going on? Like, John, and he wouldn't answer him. So he goes in the room and finds him, and then he's like barely breathing. So after repeatedly administering CPR to no effect, uh, which he was like, I guess, banging on his chest too. And it was uh, quoted as, I think he's quoted as saying, you dumb son of a bitch, you dumb son of a bitch as he was hitting him to try to wake him up. Just yeah. like, so, um, you know, usually we're pretty fun and we'll, obviously we'll get Anton on a more upbeat episode, but always this episode where people die, it's always sad. It ends on a tragic note. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's like banging on his chest. So and then he he calls uh, Wallace calls Brillstein, um, pretty much his manager, who had the secretary call the paramedics. Brillstein headed to the medical center where he assumed Belushi would be transported to, and sent his assistant Joe uh, Briskin to the hotel. So he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna wait here. They'll be there soon. Um, it's got to get him into the the ambulance." So on his arrival at the bungalow, Briskin found Wallace weeping and still trying to revive Belushi. John's dead, Wallace cried, which is very sad. So an ambulance arrived, and after EMTs assessed Belushi's state, he declared they declared him dead. And I guess um, like uh, Bill Wallace was like, no, keep doing it. Don't stop. Keep doing it. And they were like, no, he's dead. And then he's like, no, what do you mean? You got to do more. And he's like begging them. And they're like, no, he's, he's dead, man. He's dead. Yeah. You reach a certain point where it's like there's literally nothing more you can do. No, no. I wouldn't be surprised if anybody kind of expected it to happen. But, you know, you're obviously still incredibly, you know, upset and devastated that it did happen. But I'm sure once you start doing heroin and coke at the same time like that and using intravenous drugs, I think everyone's just kind of like, we're going to get the fucking call. Like, well, yeah. it's the same way, and that's always reverted back to Chris Farley because I love Farley, and Farley took big inspiration from Belushi. But just the fact that, he, I don't know that, that they, even Chris Farley at the end, they were like, everyone tried to get him clean. Like Sandler was like constantly trying to get him clean. Like you got to stop, man. You got to stop or you're going to die. And it's like, I'm sure people told that to John too. Same thing. You know, I'm sure Rob Williams said that shit. Oh, I don't doubt it. I bet they all did. Um, Do you remember the, one of the most famous or infamous John Belushi sketches on Saturday night, Saturday night live, called uh don't look back in anger sounds really familiar so it's done in like a sepia tone shot where it's that weird uh like tannish scale and it's uh old man belushi visiting the cemetery of all of his dead friends like chevy chase bill murray and everything like that and then he like dances on chevy chase's grave at the end he's like why did i survive because i'm a dancer and he just starts doing a little thing i remember that yeah that's funny yeah what a weird irony yes exactly it's that's that's why it's, uh, you know, one of those infamous type things. Weird. That's like, what the irony in that? That's fucking crazy. Cause I didn't yeah. think about that. So reporters and camera crews swarmed the hotel, turning the once understated Hollywood Institute into a circus and lumbering it with the, the reputation of forever linked to Belushi's death because uh, the paramedics came, everyone knew he was staying there. And then, you know, you have the media circus showing up. And you know what I mean? Which is crazy. Yeah. So after returning the bungalow, Smith was questioned by the police and released. She would later be charged with murder and drug related offenses. After telling the national Enquirer she supplied in the inje- and injected speedballs to Pelushi. 
which is the mix of heroin and cocaine. Good old, good old speedballs. And I'm yeah, pretty sure yeah. So Smith only spent 15 months in prison after pleading guilty to involuntary manslaughter and three okay. char- drug charges. Is that crazy? 15 I mean, fucking she- months. Oh, for sure it is, but I think it's because she was an addict and like herself. Like yeah. if she wasn't an addict and she was just a pusher, they probably would have yeah. thrown away the key. But um, that's true, true. Yeah, she probably had a really good lawyer. Be- yeah. Being somebody of that status that was friends with Belushi, I'm sure somebody took her case pro bono and was like, "No, you're a drug addict. You're fucked up. We can yeah. you know, lessen your sentence or whatever." Spin that. Yeah, that, that's fucking crazy. So, uh, um, she said. I know I'm the last person who saw him alive, and I know what uh, he did the last 24 hours, Smith told the Rolling Stone in 1982. It was just a Hollywood scene, really nothing out of the ordinary, because it really wasn't. Everyone was doing this, and, you know, it just, it's just weird that you probably never think you're going to die or have someone die close to you kind of shit. Was everybody shooting speedballs, though? I'm sure everybody no, was doing yeah. coke and casually coke, using yeah. whatever drugs, but I don't yeah. think everybody was shooting no. a mixture of coke and heroin into their arm every fucking Injecting day. Injecting drugs is definitely a, a big no-no. Yeah, I would say once you start using, like, like you know, getting getting stoned or doing mushrooms or doing acid or drinking or whatever is one thing, but yeah. once you start shooting up, you're no longer the person that you used no. to be. And it changes you, and, and you know, disposable. You know, you take one hit of heroin, you're fucking hooked because it's like this euphoria state. You know what I mean? That you know, it's it's the best feeling, and they just want to chase that, chasing the dragon, right? Like same shit. That's what they say, and I mean, hey, the opioid fucking epidemic doesn't happen for no reason, so I'm sure they're probably right. Oh uh, yeah, and that's why we're uh, that's why the United States and, and somewhat Canada too, we're peace protecting or whatever. We're peaceful, but we're protecting the fucking poppy fields. And now yeah. for so, the last couple of years, there's been this whole opium crisis and people, drug addicts, killing fentanyl, all this shit. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. we are we're just protecting the poppy fields and, and funneling drugs into America and Canada. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's fucking what a world we live in. So in uh, in 2015, Rolling Stone voted Belushi the greatest of all SNL players, beating Eddie Murphy, Bill Murray, and Tina Fey. Though he left behind only a handful of starring roles, Belushi's legacy has, if anything, grown over time. Crazy. I wanted to get Anton, uh, Anton in on this one just because you have you you know who Belushi is. You've obviously watched and are more even more versed than me at his career and stuff like that. And I wanted to cover him just because his important role in the in the comedy world, which you know, Strange Brew is technically a dark comedy aspect podcast. Even though we get more serious sometimes, I just wanted to cover him to do him justice because he was a great performer and a very funny and and intelligent dude and life took him too soon absolutely don't do do drugs kids drugs are bad drugs are bad yeah so uh shout out so yeah everyone knows go to www.strangerpodcast.com you know you can find all your stuff there you can get merch uh shout out your stuff if people want to follow you on instagram and stuff shout it out oh okay uh instagram um hp shovecraft uh on twitch i'm invader daggett uh and then, yeah, that's pretty much my main two areas that I'm hanging out Fuck on. Yeah. And uh, I'm probably going to, uh, listeners, yeah, check out his Twitch page. I'll, I'm probably eventually going to jump on. Uh, he's been busy moving, weirdly enough, as it is, and so have I. So we're both in the middle of a fucking move. So once we, once I get like stationary more and stuff like that, we're playing on maybe doing a stream of playing like um, Friday oh, yeah, 13th would be yeah. fun or um, Dawn, the, what's the, not Dawn of the Dead, that's a movie. 
What's the other Dead one? By uh, Dead, Dead by Daylight. Yeah, because I yeah. got to get more into that because I kind of suck at the game. But I'm, I'm good at I'm good at Friday Thirteenth. I just kind of suck at that one because I haven't got versed and and as good as I could on that game. But um, no, I'd love that, to have you on uh, yeah. GTA as well because that's generally our just drunken uh, shit starting trolling. Yes, it's, it's so much fun. That's hilarious. I definitely jump on that one. Just fuck some shit up. Cause GTA is a ridiculous, ridiculous game. And the online is there's a bunch of kids yelling at each other. It's fucked. <laughs> yeah. Just driving around, what finding people doing missions and just lighting them up with missiles. It's uh, yeah. Fuck yeah. It happens to me a lot. So, you know, every now and again, so hopefully favorite. next time you hear Anton, we'll do something a little more fun, a little more upbeat. Anton knows a lot of stuff about weird alien shit as the same as I do in the occult. So we'll definitely be diving into this or that. You might hear him on the Patreon on but uh i think we did john belushi justice and he will always be remembered as you know the funny man and and let him let his soul rest in peace who knows he's probably reincarnated by now so well i mean the one thing we didn't uh touch on is that yeah. in all technicality slimer from ghostbusters is the ghost of john belushi oh yeah fuck i forgot about that yep. i for, totally forgot that's true and that, that's what they want because his character he was uh, when Dan Aykroyd got the call that Belushi died, he was literally writing a line for him in Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Just fucking crazy. It's like Farley was supposed to be Shrek. Yeah. Well, you can still find the footage for all the people that don't know. Uh, yeah, you can look up on YouTube and he did some lines for it and that would have been crazy and such a different movie. But Mike Myers decided to do his Scottish accent and <laughs> Shrek is Shrek now. <laughs> yep, Shrek is Shrek. All right. Well, uh, you know what? That that was. Uh, we'll get into something interesting next time. You'll probably hear Anton once in a while on here. But yeah, everyone, you know, stay true and don't do too many drugs, bro. Stay strange. <laughs> stay strange and keep it mellow. Thanks for yeah. having me on, man. It was a really good time. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, dude. All right. Yeah. Keep it strange, motherfuckers. I wonder. I wonder what you would do if you had the power to dream at night any dream you wanted to dream. You would, I suppose, start out by fulfilling all your wishes. You could design for yourself what would be the most ecstatic life. A fast sleep, what had to be another bad dream happening to me. Running from tragedy, suffer dramatically, discover reality is nothing but what it has to be. Some of the facts we believe are practically predictable bullshit. They massively construct and build the minds of school kids. The dollar bill, you're all foolish In the future, we're all humans Swallowing bills, not now drool and spit And no one has a fucking clue of it I'm confused as shit Who is this? What is this? Is this an illusion or a trick? It must be a mushroom trip The earth is fucked And I don't know who's done this shit Did we do this? Looking up to hovering cruise ships Another cheap trick Start summoning demons with these lips If the heat's flipped hot, I have to be dead The room goes black, then it's red As I see his shadow turn back his head Staring deep in my eyes Then I wake, feel sleep deprived Take tokes of weed to survive Say no to the creeps in the skies I play jokes like I'll make you bleed from your eyes As you see inside your own mind Where the demons hide When you're alone at night, screaming the one that's demonized When all of you believe in nothing but lies And that doesn't come as any surprise I'm in a crowded hall But I don't hear a sound at all Load the fear and these beers I'm gonna down them all I hold them dear Till I stumble around and fall 
support the lies, no remorse for the course we're taking. You're forced to be awakened from an ancient slumber. Days around these graves, I wonder as I take shots of vodka, behave as a monster. Hate the imposters, foster an image of yourself. Daughters of religion, words won't help when you're burning in hell. Full vision from a book on a shelf. Look at yourselves. Everybody hates you, and there's ways to change your life, but it takes pain and sacrifice. And uh, you would move over to an adventurous dimension, where there were certain dangers involved in the thrill of dealing with dangers, and you could rescue princesses from dragons, and go on dangerous journeys, make wonderful explosions and blow them up, eventually get into contests with enemies. And after you've done that for some time, you'd think up a new wrinkle, Forget that you were dreaming, so that you would think it was all for real.